This episode is brought to you courtesy of The Boardman Review, the workshop brewing company's new Alcatraz Escape Rooms, and the Common Grounds Real Estate Cooperative. Common Grounds is an innovative business model that develops real estate and meets community needs and increases quality of life in the, in the Traverse City region by basically leveraging this cool idea that uh, lots of people in your community can be the owners of a, of a piece of real estate that uh, then turns around and provides spaces for community and business uh, to thrive. So yay, Common Grounds. Hello and welcome to The Improverbial, a podcast where we unearth obscure sayings and phrases from around the world, invent absurd new proverbs, and talk about things mundane, spurious, irrelevant, and profound. I am the capitalist, Pete Kirkwood. And I'm Lisa Favet, the Tilt Thinker. I've been doing and coaching improv for many years. Pete and I have been doing improv together for some of those years. This podcast is a mashup of Pete's interest in the science of well-being, my background in education and human development, our shared fascination with the world's idiomatic weirdness, and our superpowers in improv comedy. We are the Improv Verbializers. Woohoo! Yeah! This is a very special episode. Lisa, I want you to know. Oh, I'm excited for yeah, this one. Yeah, it's going to be great. Because this one, we have some listener-contributed content to kick it off with. <sighs> and not only is it a listener, it's a listener very dear to my heart. It's my own older brother, Tom. Oh, yeah, another baby. Kirkwood. <clears throat> great. So my brother, Tom, happens to speak fluent Chinese. Well, it wasn't just happened. He actually took him a while. It's, but he it, speaks, it didn't just stumble yeah. upon it. He worked at it. Okay, got it. He speaks fluent, fluent Chinese. And he has contributed the phrase for today. Not only that, he's contributed his voice. So without further ado, Taylor, can you roll tape on that? The warted toad seeks to eat the flesh of the white swan. Nice, right? Beautiful. (laughs) The warted toad seeks to eat the flesh of the white swan. Talk about an inscrutable proverb. This is, it's very, um, it feels and all the words is very rich. Very rich and exotic. Okay. So the import of this phrase, according to my brother, the oracle of all things um, ancient and Chinese, (laughs) is when someone is attempting to do something beyond their station, trying to to sort of, um, you know, what is it? uh, Punch above their grade or, you know, try to do something which is way way out. uh, They're outclassed. And they are foolish enough to think that they could achieve that. So that is the idea of um, the warded toad seeks to eat the white swan. Right. This ugly, this ugly ground <clears throat> dwelling totally. animal uh, is trying to go after this beautiful white swan. Okay, that makes sense. I, I don't know if we even have something equivalent in English. I, I was looking for that, but I did not come up with anything yeah, I quite mean, the same. Like punching above your weight is, mm-hmm. it, I don't, I, my understanding of this phrase is that it includes a sort of, a sense that you shouldn't do that. Like it's a disapproving type of, I think a type of expression. So punching above your way is sort of like almost like a complimentary thing that you'd say about something. Right. You're ambitious and you're going for it. Yeah. Yeah. And you're like, and like you really do better than people expect you to. Yeah. 
if you're like a ward, a wardy toad. A wardy to- I did find when I looked this up, I, there's a Russian equivalent out there. Oh, really? I will not say it in Russian, oh, but the, the English translation is a sow is no match for a goose. So yeah, it brings two animals again. I don't know yeah. who decides which goose, animal is which ugly. Which is the toad and, and which is the, and yeah, goose. The goose might be the swan. The sow, the female pig is the, is the warty toad. I guess, but a goose is not a swan. No, the goose is not. No. <laughs> not even, I mean, they both have that neck. They both do have a neck. It's true. A and long, they both can be really aggressive and intimidating. And have really rude noises coming out of them during totally. their attack. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, you know, where... Where did I, you go with this? I looked this up and it was... The things that I saw was this similar idea. You said that pursuing... Well, it had to do more to do with mating, this idea of pursuing somebody who is out of your league. Oh, right. Ma- mating with them. <laughs> mating. Yes, exactly. We could say dating. I wish people could see we your could hands say... right now because the gesture you just made is hilarious. It was sort of like a, the, the like you were holding two grapefruits in front of your, when you said mating. I oh, I was I? I yeah. Somehow, I, this is how I express this, this idea of in dating. We can also say dating. Uh, okay, sure. Um, yeah, you're going after somebody who's out of your league. Who decides which league each of one of us is in, right? right and I, there is all this behind it, class and caste and all those types right, of things. I, uh-huh. um, but biologically, there are some things that are true to that. Well, like like toads and swans, right? They toads, just can't. They should not they be can't mating. Do the thing. They should yeah. not. Mm-hmm. And no matter how much a toad might be attracted to a swan, they shouldn't. Mm-hmm. I mean, I guess it's up to them. Who are we to say? I, I'm not judging. I'm not judging. I yeah. wouldn't go. I wouldn't like not that protesting there's anything on the wrong, Not streets. that there's anything wrong with that. No, there's yeah, not. No. Yeah. But it won't work biologically. Uh-huh. It just doesn't. Yeah. That key doesn't fit in that. <laughs> in that lock. That, that, it does lock. not unlock that lock. It does that not. It does not. Mm-hmm. No. But they do say that they, that um, that there's this thing. It's called correlated attractiveness levels. Yes. Have you? Oh, my God. That's a real thing? That's a I real thing. I know exactly what you're talking about. Tell me what you know, Pete. Well, I mean, it's just like when you see a couple and one of them is clearly more attractive than the other, you're like, what the hell? What happened there? Does that key and that lock mm-hmm. match? What, what, what comes to mind when you see that? When I see... Well, you think there's something outside of the physical attractiveness, right? There's you're like somebody's rich up in here. Could be somebody's somebody is really good in bed. Yes, yeah, somebody's extremely mm-hmm. start smart and charming. Or somebody's really super funny. I think exactly. funny bumps you up like three notches. Yeah, funny can Absolutely. go. I don't know if it works so much for me. You oh, you obviously totally. Pete because you got to catch. Brian is foxy. Okay, Liz yeah. is really mm-hmm. a catch. Mm-hmm. I can tell you. I just watched this movie, Sliding Doors. Um, so it's a really cool movie. Gwyneth Paltrow and and some uh, other ben people. Ben Affleck. I never saw it, but no, yeah. No, not Ben Affleck. <laughs> I don't know who it was. <laughs> oh, I, I think it was Alec Baldwin. No, no, it wasn't. Oh, Just gosh. kidding. So, but anyway, the point of it is that she ends up with this guy who's like way less good looking than her. Of course, like everyone is less good looking than Gwyneth Paltrow. But the point is that um, he's very funny. You see? And that's what, that's the, what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. No, I, I do yeah. agree. I happen to be very attracted to funny men. I, I say to my kids, oh, that that, that movie actors, I really, that movie actors attracted me like, mom, yeah. like, oh, but he's so charming. Totally. Um, but they do say that um, this is also call, called assort, assortative, assortative uh-huh. mating. And did I get that right? I guessed at what that it, meant, but well, is that no, what it I'll means? Well, no, I'll tell you, it's okay. a little bit the yeah. opposite, Pete. Oh, no, really? This okay. isn't about, well... So the first phrase has to do with that there is these correlated attractiveness levels as in like 
physiologically, they measure like arm length and <laughs> um and and height and all that. And in general, on a very you know, from from the back of the right, room, right. Look, statistically speaking, statistically speaking, people that are the same size and proportions will be attracted to one another. Wow. Yes, and and that does include non physical things such as um, IQ, education, um, and this makes sense: religious beliefs, values, socioeconomic status. We tend that to be stuff a, is obvious, but like the physical like length of arm that doesn't. I that's and hey I, hey I read it on the internet, so it must be true, P. Yeah. And now th- taking this <laughs> even further. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. This is great uh, stuff. This the, taking this further, they there was a study in Reykjavik, Iceland. Ah, yes. That showed that marriages of third and fourth cousins Are produced, weird. produced no. more children and grandchildren than completely unrelated individuals because third and fourth cousins are genetically more compatible. Now we're not talking first cousins. Okay. We're talking third and fourth. Okay. Where this there's is not any type of negative yeah. uh, okay. inbreeding type things. We're okay. talking, they say that these make really robust type of genes. Wow. So there's something in there. I, I don't even know where to go with that. I don't know. Cause I used to, I was kind of in the mind that, yeah, the more diverse you have this gene pool, the more than robust you're able to. Right, right. You'd yeah. want like, yeah, all different shapes and sizes getting exactly. together. Exactly. But this this is one study in Reykjavik, so you know. Yeah. This what Iceland can we is, say about could, that? Could be like a literal outlier. Um, yeah. Yeah. You know, uh, yeah, that's I mean, like, I look at, you and Liz are very physically, compa- like physically, uh, look at the two. It's out. just really... I can't just figure you out if we. are adorable. Can I just say that? <laughs> I'm going to put you on the record if you oh, ever run into the Kirkwoods. I can't say if that is a, 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 we prove the rule or we disprove the rule because in both of our cases, we're both small people, right? Um, in both of our cases, we have, each of us has never dated anyone who is even close to our height before. I've always dated women who are much taller than me. And Liz has always dated men who are much taller than her. And at the beginning of our relationship, we kept on having these moments where we're like, oh, my God, you're so little. It's so cute. And she'd be like, you're so little, you know. So I don't know. But then again, we are we did end up together and we are, um, you know, similarly proportioned. So, yeah, I mean, it's again, citing one example, but Mm -hmm. um, they do say now this is I think this is interesting to kind of bring it to modern times Mm -hmm. um, that. Well, first of all, the longer a couple knows each other prior to dating, the less they are they are matched in that way. It, it's it's initial attractiveness. Uh-huh. You're they say that you're attracted to somebody who resembles you or Dude, resembles one of your opposite I, sex parents. Now I've heard all that before. Totally. Now, but they say the longer you know someone, and this goes back to our getting to know personality and yeah, their humor yeah, and yeah. all those other things, uh-huh. the less that physical that similarity goes away. Like, but with online dating a lot more is happening going back to yeah. these physical physically similar correlations you're saying it, people are more because because you're picking somebody based on a oh, physical yeah. characteristics have you yeah so people like you can be like i want someone who's five nine minimum you know five nine or something and like you're that. looking at a photo and that's right. how you're choosing <clears throat> that person and so i think we're going it's going back a little bit at least in those initial can those i rant for a second go for as it a, as a tiny man um <laughs> uh, it's funny how socially acceptable it is for people to discriminate against members like the, on the base discriminate the attractiveness of somebody on the basis of their height where 
Um, a similar level of the discrimination on any other physical characteristic would be seen as extremely um, un- politically incorrect. Like no one ever says, no, no one would ever think that you were, that somebody was cool if they were, or no, most people that I know wouldn't be cool with someone saying, oh, I don't date fat girls. Mm-hmm. Okay. Right. You would not um, say that. No, but no. P- all the time, like for example, women will be like, I don't date short men or men, men will be like, I don't, you know, I don't want to, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. I, I, I don't mm-hmm. date short women. Somehow it's okay to discriminate against that. And ironically, your height is the thing over which you have the absolute least amount of control. Like exactly, exactly. I just, you know, I don't usually say that in public because I am a small man and it sounds like I'm ranting or insecure, <laughs> but I'm You're cool with it, whatever, but it's just interesting. You're just here with me and Taylor. So it's totally and I'm fine. sitting down, so so we can't tell really how tall you are, but you're wearing a hat, so you look really gr- like grand right <laughs> yeah, now. Yeah, it's like a wizard hat. It's a pointy <laughs> one that's real tall. It has a few feet. Yeah, I, I, I usually wear this hat, and also these high heeled boots. They just look good and a thanks. little bit like Prince. So thanks for doing that. Yeah, me and Prince have a lot in common, actually. <laughs> <laughs> Both tiny men, great voices. Oh um. <laughs> man, no, you're absolutely true on that, Pete. This idea that it's 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 very acceptable in society to talk about a short man as un, undesirable for Jeez. some reason. With good humor and all that, like I can like him as a friend. I can totally. I but he's useful to get through small windows or like to find (laughs) find things that are in small spaces. Like that's good reason to have friends. If I don't want to bend down to get something under the kitchen counter, I send my short my short man there. (laughs) My short man. (laughs) Instead of like reaching something at the top of the cupboard, you you. but yeah. I want to ask you, so for me, when I looked at this thing, I didn't go where the mating thing, I, I went to the eating thing, you know, so my first thing was like, could a toad even eat a swan, eat the flesh of a Is swan? Is it even possible? Yeah, right. And it turns out that really, um, uh, it's more likely the swan would eat the toad, actually, you know, like, to, you oh, know, toads, toads eat tiny little things, you know, and they'd never be able to get their mouth They're around a swan, even. even with their tongue thing, they could like catch it and <laughs> then they would have trouble because that swan would be all with the beak and everything. Yeah. Um, but, you know, swans will eat whatever's attached to whatever weeds and pond stuff they're eating. So if there was like a little toad in there, they would eat it. Then also I like to look into the difference between a frog and a toad. And it turns out toads don't even live in ponds. So I don't know. This whole thing is messed this, up. This is really, so yeah. When would a swan and a toad <sighs> even meet each other? I know. Right. Um, but that's why, just like, when would I ever meet Gwyneth Paltrow? Never. She's a swan. And I you're know. The- but if, if I could, if I would totally eat her flesh though. <laughs> yeah, you would. No, I'd like to see that. <laughs> you know what? Speaking. With that wizard hat, you probably would attract her. <laughs> she would so. look at me. She's like, wow, he's tall. Wow. Look at uh, the top of his hat is really high. <laughs> he must be tall. <laughs> but I wanted to go to a slightly philosophical thing here, which is, um, the idea of ambition. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, I, yeah. um, and because like, you know what, you got to take your t- you got to take your hat off to that toad. And I'm taking my wizard hat off right now to that oh, toad. Oh, Pete, you should um, really comb your hair. For just having that, <laughs> having that um, level of gumption and, you know, to, to like think you could ever eat the flesh of that white swan. And I just, and so that led me to this idea of is ambition good or bad, you know, because it can be negative It's if it's like the self-destructive, but um, like appropriate levels of ambition, apparently, according to the Harvard Business Review, leads to creativity and innovation, greater levels of performance and deeper levels of joy and satisfaction at work, wherever, whatever that work may be. And this is I got to say, refer to this really famous 1979 Harvard study that people have talked about, it talks about written, having goals and plans that are written. All right. And th- th- when they did the study in 79, three percent of the graduates had written goals and plans. Thirteen percent had goals, but not written down. 84% had no specific goals at all. The 13% of them that had goals that weren't written down were ended up earning twice as much uh, when compared to the 84% who had no goals at all. 
And the 3% who had written down their goals way back in 1979 were earning on average 10 times the amount that the other 97% were making put together. Okay. So I'm not saying that your income should be a measure of your, um, of, of anything other than income. right? Right, Right. But it just goes to show the power of having ambition and goals. So First of all, having clear goals and writing them down is an incredibly effective, evidently, an incredibly effective way at increasing the likelihood that you will actually achieve those goals. Moreover, having goals and ambitions, properly balanced and appropriate ones, um, actually leads to much more joy and satisfaction in work, whatever your work may be. So all you toads out there, write that, write that shit down. Write down that you want that swan write right that there. Swan's just name. go for right it. There. Yep. And then <laughs> keep your eye on it. Keep your eye. Now, Pete, are you someone who writes down goals? Yeah. I mean, I'm not like a journaling kind of guy mm-hmm. or something like that, but I am a, I, I've been sort of steeping myself in the, in the, in the kind of literature of positive psychology for more, for gosh, a decade and a half now. Um, and so I, I under, I knew about this and the power of kind of um, clearly stated goals. And so I do, I have um, like a written vision statement for my business. Um, which, you know, spans out a decade or so and says all the things that we, pl- we plan to achieve. And a part of that, the sort of the last portion of it is, uh, is dedicated to my own personal, um, my vision of where I am personally in 20 years time. You know, I think that's incredibly effective technique because if you say where you want to be 20 years from now, from that, you can kind of backtrack in order to be where you want to be in 20 years, where do you need to be in 10 and if you backtrack from that, where do you need to be in five? Where do you need to be next year? And what are you going to do next month? And then how do you, what are you going to do today? Like if you can break your ambition down into these sort of manageable chunks and it's all this coherent path that you're following towards your, your goals, um, it's much less overwhelming and you, and you feel much less of a failure if you haven't achieved those massive goals today. Your little steps, each one of them feels like a, 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 a success in, in your you know, movement towards your, that white swan that you're looking for. Yeah. These little, yeah. little satisfaction as you slowly work, work toward. Now with that, Pete, we all run into this pandemic and it throws our timelines off. Mm-hmm. Right. So obviously within that, there's a lot of flexibility and there's a lot of, wow, this opportunity oh, came totally up that I couldn't completely. even imagine 20 years ago when I first wrote that right. down. So as a balance, I have to tell you, when I started my career, I was much more writing goals down and visioning and articulating it and journaling it. And I've actually stepped away from it a bit. And and I needed to do that for me because I wanted to not feel like I was going off track for my goals as I followed these new things I discovered and didn't even know existed mm-hmm, mm-hmm. when I originally wrote stuff. So you, I've taken paths I never would have envisioned when I was yeah. 22, 25, 26. Absolutely. So I have to say that the the way the way I define a vision is like a clearly articulated um, uh, vision of where you are at a fixed date in the future, and it's written and expressed as a manner of in retrospect. You describe your day twenty years from today and what you do that day and your situation that day. So, um, but I always stress that this is a malleable document. It's a living document, and it's subject to revision. It, it's not supposed to be a prison or a or like an iron rail that you have to ride. Um, I have another document that I call uh, that from my business standpoint is my mission, which is more like an expression of my cultural values, the things that make me who I am and the things that won't change. I liken it to like the mission is sort of like um, the constellations that you're steering by and you're, those aren't going to change. And the yeah. vision is more like 
the, the chart that you're charting your course on and you can choose to sail to a different island if you want to. You know yeah. what I mean? Um, you're right. Those things do not change. Those are your North Star yeah. at all times. Those are your white swan That's right, that you baby. want to just gnaw on that leg to get that juicy meat mm -hmm. flesh. Mm -hmm. They do mm -hmm. say that swan is actually surprisingly delicious. We'll have to try a swan dinner tomorrow night. Okay. Um, well, I'll try to find one. Okay, I've just gotten back from my trip to deep in, deep into the deserts of Egypt where I found a small crystal with some careful runes and carved onto it that I will now insert into this aperture in the Proverbatron to activate the machine. Oh, Pete, I'm really excited because we hadn't used this this um, feature on this machine yet. Right, so I'm so, so glad we finally can. This is going to make the words okay, here extra we go. super special. Woo. Ready? Woo! Charlatan. The first word is charlatan. Pageantry. The second word is pageantry. Well, charlatan and pageantry go together like peanut butter and popcorn, right? Because they've always forever gone together in this particular proverb. Never trust a charlatan in all his pageantry. Oh, yeah. Never trust a charlatan in all of his pageantry. Mm -hmm. Remember that one? That oh, old chestnut? I do, yes. In, in, in all of his pageantry, yeah. is that where you yeah, heard that's it? That's how I heard it. Did you hear it a different way? Yeah, it was a, a her. It was a female, oh, but that's so, fine. That's fine. Sorry about that. So okay. I didn't mean to have any um, institutional uh, you know, sexism there to come to. So none taken, none taken. Um, this one is a really, this one takes me back to my, to my theater, my theater class back in high school. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Mrs. Twigmire, Mrs. Twigmire, she was, I would say a charlatan. She would claim that she could cast spells. She would claim that wow. she could read binds. Really? She would claim that she could do levitation. And Magic tricks. And magic better tricks. Than, sounds like even yeah. better than magic. And tricks. this was a woman who was <laughs> in charge of five hours of um, instruction. I think I read about this. But this made news even where you grew up on the on the East Coast. Well, yeah. I mean, it was in the papers. I mean, I, I it was I, I read a lot of those papers in like the the artsy the artsy papers and the <laughs> I know all those artsy, artsy papers. Pages. Yeah, the, the artsy, artsy pages. Pa pages. Yeah, exactly. yeah. And I mean, I'm always on the lookout for a charlatan, you know, because I mean, I had heard this expression. I'd heard that you never trust a charlatan in all of his pageantry, but that's yeah. just sexism talking right there. <laughs> right. Um, I, I and I remember reading about Miss Twigmire, and and it was like the the headline of the the what was like the, the Pocono Arts. Arts Gazette. I did encounter some charlatans too in my past. Um, I was sent it? away to, to a military school. That makes a, sense. Yep. Mm -hmm. And now makes sense. And that's why I have this um, very rigid demeanor, as you can see. Yeah. You're, yeah. My, with your really close cut crop haircut. Yeah. It's very obvious. Yeah. And, um, you know, there was a, there was a charlatan at my, at, you know, um, it, it was uh, Sergeant Major. Toolmeyer? No, Sergeant Major. That was his name, his yeah, full name. Sergeant Major. Wow. Um, and he, uh, you know, was like acting like he was this big military guy and he had us all marching around and we'd go, you know, about face and, um, and, you know, yeah. like uh, at ease and all that stuff that we would do. Oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> um, but he, and he was like yelling in your face, you know, like the drill sergeants do, like get all up in your face. And I was like, God, man, this guy's really intense. He must've had a really, a really tough military career to have gotten this post and to have been this 
to be this demanding and hard on us. We he used to we used to drop and give him twenty and stuff all the time and uh, push ups. And twenty bucks you owed him twenty. No, it's all push ups and like stuff like that. Like and he would yell at your face and yell at your face. You. Later on, I discovered that Sergeant Major, like what? yeah, he had had a military career. Yeah. Okay, but it was in the Coast Guard and he was okay. a clerk at the supply depot and that's all he ever did. Okay. He was a he was a supply closet manager. The point is, he was a charlatan, and so like this this illustrates the depth of this particular proverb. It's like the pageantry doesn't have to be like flouncy outfits and mm. magic and stuff like that. It, it this this particular proverb pertains to anyone who's like pretending to be something that they're not. Yeah. All right? And so like that's where I learned this proverb was um, once I figured out about Sergeant Major and his illustrious military career. Um, one of my um classmates was like yeah man never trust a charlatan in all his pageantry and i'm like what what and then he explained this proverb to me and that's you know and um so that's but at least you know in your case so in my case you know i, I got like i'm really yeah. good at marching right Sometimes i'll I go out that. and march you, when you march your your gluteus your mm-hmm. glutei glutei mm-hmm. are like rock hard really tight. symmetrical yeah very symmetrical and my boots are shiny and i do i drop and give him 20 every once in a while even though he's not there anymore you just in his in his mm-hmm. honor like reflexing yeah yep. for sure yep. because it's just almost part of the ritual but i was wondering if um you do you those are the spells that mrs twigmeyer ms ms twigmeyer ms twigmeyer yeah does that ever do you ever find yourself like just concocting spells by like i don't know mixing up um potions and stuff like that just out of habit anymore I don't know. Or have if you just it's, gotten rid of that all that pageantry that she instilled in you. She was a charlatan. After. I don't know if it's necessarily a habit that I put all kinds of things like a rabbit in a shoe with lots of glue and look in my eyes as you start to fall into a deep sleep. Pete. What happened? Nothing, Pete. Don't worry about it. I want you to drop what? down and give me 20. Oh, my God. Okay. Beautiful long Whoa, neck, swan. One and two and three. I have to give you 20? 20 more. Five, six. Seven, and the 20 from your wallet, nine. too, Pete. Oh, okay, here we go. I got to just. Oh, it's too tight because your glutes are oh, so shoot. tight. Oh, there we 15, go. 16, 17. My heartfelt gratitude to the folks that support our podcast for this episode that is the boardman review the new alcatraz escape rooms at the workshop brewing company and our friends at the common grounds real estate cooperative 